Howdy, Dis After Dark listeners. Toy Story Land is opening up at Hollywood Studios on June 30th. Book now for some great summer deals and to see what's new. Take a ride on the Slinky Dog Dash coaster, ride the alien swirling saucers with the kiddos, enjoy a new third track on Toy Story Mania, and grab a bite to eat at Woody's Lunchbox. Remember, if you book with me, I'll take care of your dining reservations, fast passes, and create a personalized itinerary just for you and your family. Mention this ad to get $25 off your deposit. Reduce stress by letting me do the planning for you. I make the plans, you make the memories. Find me at WPMagicJourneys.com and on social media at WPMagicJourneys. After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Warning, this show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are hours and hours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Disaster Dark. I'm glad I stopped recording it. I started recording after that last comment. Um, I'm Nick and I'm joined by three of the finest men. No, no, that's wrong. I'm joined by three men. So uh, we're joined by Craig the Boss Lucas. I can't think of anything to say. Good introduction, that's though, isn't it? Do you like that? You know, Boss Lucas, you know, almost almost fits, doesn't it? Uh, we are joined by everyone's favourite uh, Mr. D, Paulie D. Hello there. Nice and to be back. Yes, it's been a while. It's been a while. Mm. And we are while. also joined by P-Dubs and Paul Washington. Hello. I was going to see the thing is, like, when I went to go and introduce Mr. D, I was going to introduce him as everyone's favourite Paul. Forgetting there's about 12 pools associated with this podcast, and that yeah. isn't going to really fly. Yeah, you start a fight there. Now, we were actually spoiling this a little bit because um, we just talked about the fact that Mr. D's not been on for a while. I'm not sure when this episode's going out, so he might have been back for a, a while, and that comment would have made no sense whatsoever, but it, that doesn't matter. You know, Happy Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas. Or Easter. Yeah. yeah. Keep it going out then. Um, but we're going to start this episode as we do each and every episode by asking, what is everybody drinking? So, Craig, I'll come to you first. I'll start with you. What are you drinking? A Ribena. Mm, I've seen you drink Ribena before, though. Is it actually Ribena? No, it is Ribena. Okay, good stuff. I, I drank so much alcohol last week in the Highlands of Scotland, 
Or uh, um, you drank um, so much um, alcohol in the Highlands of Scotland at another time. Last year. <laughs> and um, I'm actually sitting on the couch next to me, Liver. Are you all right, Liver? Yeah, I am, yeah. I'm a bit battered like me. head's done in. My head's done in as well, Liver. Thank you. You'll eat anything in Liverpool. Battered liver? That's disgusting. Oh, we've just given some little chippy in Scotland an idea now. K-Towns, oh, it'd no. be on the menu at K-Towns. On yeah, <laughs> it already is, I think. Mr. Dean, oh. uh, mid-swig, what are you drinking? Um, I'm on the uh, rum and coke, thank you very much. Nice, a nice one. Yeah, yeah I just... Uh, P-Dubs has got a very fe- fetching mug this evening. What's in your mug? Uh, in my mug, I'm on the Havana rum coffee again mm-hmm. to warm me up up here in the north. He literally looks like an extra from Game of Thrones tonight. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Um, the, beans, the beans were roasted and rubbed on the thighs of Cuban virgins to make his Havana, Havana roast. Or a donkey. Um, I've gone for a very stupid choice because we're recording this podcast of an evening. Um, but I'm taking or a the, out of or a morning. No, I'm definitely recording. The podcast definitely being recorded in the evening. It's just when in time. Um, but I'm doing a Ryan and I'm drinking a nice can of uh, Monster Energy. Are you doing another podcast after this podcast? Um, I might be doing a solo show. <laughs> no one else is going to be up doing a podcast when I finish this one. There you go. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Merci Now, on this episode, I've been really dying for a drink. I had to take a big swig, sorry. On this episode, we are going to go around as a round table and we're going to look at things that we think can be improved. Not from a rise in attractions point of view, because that's something that we've, and other people have done before, but looking at the wider picture of just Disney itself and just trying to think about things that they could do to improve. And this is, is spurred on by Craig, because Craig came with such a good idea to me the other day. I was like, this needs to be a whole episode. And so with that in mind, I think it'd be rude not to start, not to start with you, Craig, about your idea of what could make Disney better. Oh, this is so much... You've built that up now to so much pressure. What if these two go, that's Panster? I don't care, because I think this is genius. So even if that was the case, I'm hosting this podcast, so... Just edit them out, Nick. Just edit them out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. You've already already seen my show notes. Right? I'm just... just For those who can't see, it's a piece of paper the size of a bus ticket. For those that can't see on this audio podcast. Mm-hmm. Right, well, last year, uh, when I was in the beach club for two weeks, we used mm. on, a, on a couple of occasions the minivan service. And it's run through the Lyft app. Back then, you had to get a code off the concierge. They'd put the code in the Lyft app. And back then, again, it was, I think, a $25 flat fee. Right, to go anywhere on property. And it's a pretty good service. Uh, we really enjoyed it. Drops you off right at the gates at Magic Kingdom. Takes you from resort to resort, which the, the buses don't do. You know, so we went from a uh, beach club to Polynesian for a, a tea one night. Or a dinner, depends what time you're listening to this. Um, it might have been a breakfast. Doesn't it work like that? 
look, no? I'm not, I'm not going to get started on breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which is the correct order of food eating times. So now the minivans. This is I'm getting this information from a WDW Prep School, which is a podcast me and Kerry listen to occasionally when we're in the car traveling. Um, there seems to be now there's a flat fee of fifteen dollars, and then you you work out the price per per distance basically, like the standard lift. Now mm. you can also do. Uh, airport pickups, $150 each way. So there's a $300 charge, right, for to and from the airports. So it's not necessarily about the airport bit. I'm just putting that out there for information purposes. Now, for you to hire a car, okay, we've all hired cars. I haven't. For a 14-day period, mm-hmm. $500-ish, depending on the car. Well, it's the insurance, isn't it? It's about, it's about 20 quid a day, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah. For the insurance, yeah. So, somewhere around $500, give or take, $600. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. you've got your parking fees, which for the um, theme parks have gone up to $25 a day. So, you've got to th- I know we're, we, on a technicality at the moment, the Brits are getting away with it. We're getting free parking at the resorts. But you've got to surmise it's going to be $25 a day. So there's $600 for a two-week holiday, just in parking fees alone. Mm-hmm. Then you've got your car hire of five, $600. So now you're looking at $1,100, $1,200. Then your fuel, so another $100, $1,300. Right. What if Disney come to you at the point of booking and said to you, very much like the dining plan, we are going to sell you 20 journeys in the minivans, 25 journeys, whatever, whatever the, 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 the formula is for your 14 day holiday. But whatever it works out, $700, you can have 25 journeys in the minivans. Pay in advance. It's all part of the holiday. Mm-hmm. Boom. Boom. Drops a mic. Drops a mic. Now say... Hang on, that... Craig. I'm going to interrupt you just one second. You missed out something. Go on. What did I miss out? It needs to be called the Disney driving plan. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you go. Genius. Nicholas. The Disney driving plan. Right? So you pay in advance... For your journeys. Now, just doing the basic matter, 14 day holiday in Disney, you probably won't need the minivans on the first day, probably not on the last day, but you might, but it's very much like the dining plan. So it's worked out to the to minuscule thing. So say two minivans a day on a 14 day holiday, 28 trips on a, in the minivans to go up and down property, two a day roughly. So that gets you to the Magic Kingdom. If you want to come home in the middle of the day, you use public transport or Disney transport. But then you can go back on Disney transport after your little play in the pool or whatever, and then you've got your minivan ride home at the end of the night. Say, for example, you overrun, then they can sell you another four rides, say, for another $100. 
you know, if you're going to run out towards the end of the holiday, say you become very lazy and you don't, you don't want to use transportation at all, you just want to use the minivans, they can sell you little packets of. But if you don't use it, if you if you only like very much like the Disney plan, how many people walk out of that that um, resort and they haven't spent up on the Disney dining plan, and it's all just written off. Loads, but not me. Not me either. We're still eating Rice Krispies. <laughs> we picked the mould yeah. off first. So, did you... Go on. Sorry, great. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I've literally got on the plane with two huge carrier bags of bloody Rice Krispie treats and yeah. chocolate brownies and cookies. Now, just this Disney driving plan, it just cannot fail because it frees up space in the car parks. These minivans are in the using the bus lanes anyway they have access to the bus lanes so they're not clogging up the roads and then they're not clogging up the car parks at the at the theme park as well and it's creating um in the short term mass employment because you'd need a lot more minivans we all know disney are looking at automated minivans anyway so this can't fail and also as well, like when we, we were talking about this the other day, the other thing to do with this whole thing is that if you're booking this, so a bit like ADRs, right? If you did that with driving, so you knew roughly when you wanted to do that. Like, so you know on your first Tuesday there, you want to go to Epcot at half past seven in the morning. Well, if you booked that in advance, Disney know how many drivers they need to have that yeah, day. exactly. Hmm. Disney knows your entire itinerary because you've got your fast passes, you've got your ADRs, so they know that you want to be at the um, uh, the contemporary for Chef Mickey's on the first day of your holiday, and you want to be there for eight. You've got a reservation for eight, so Disney actually do the work for you because it's all just an algorithm. They tell you, oh yeah, you're at the beach club. We'll have a car outside waiting for you for seven o'clock. And you mm. just click on the app, yeah, bang. You walk outside, it says, oh, yeah, car number 41 is your car, bang. You get in car 41, it's little Johnny. Oh, hello there, I'm little Johnny. I believe I'm taking you to see Chef Mickey. Oh, yeah. Genius. Have you seen Total Recall? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the thing is, I honestly think, I mean, Craig, we were talking about this. I mean, Craig came up with... This is a concept, and then we kind of built upon that. But, I mean, I just think it's absolutely genius. Because, you know, it's organisation. It's letting Disney know where you are at any one time. And what's not to love about it? Like, Disney are going to charge you $25 to park in their car park. Yeah. Right? So, if they can work that out, so they're okay. They're, they're they're having to employ people, whatever. But people are going to be more inclined to do it. People are already complaining about twenty five dollars to park. So there's going to be there's going to be a point a point in time when people are going to turn around and stop doing it and find other ways. And Disney going to let people use Ubers or use Lyft. Well, they're not mm, getting yeah. the money for that. So they're not if getting they the money make for that. Do it. If they set this plan up for you, you're going to have to do it. And then how everyone it, wins. How does it compare to Uber? Does anybody know? Um, <clears throat> oh, 
on this um, website, she's put up a couple of examples. Um, so the one she's put up is uh, to the Polynesian Resort mm-hmm. from... Oh, no, Polynesian Resort to Magic Kingdom, I think. That's not a far drive, is it? I don't mm-hmm. know if that's... Yeah. That might not be the way she's picking up. But the drop-off is at Magic Kingdom. Lift, $9.60. Lift XL, $15.90. Lux, which is a luxury lift, $20.44. Lux Black, which is a boss. I don't know what you get on that. I'm frigging... I'm not saying it. Uh, $31, right? Lux Black XL. My God. So... um, (laughs) $48, $48, the minivan, which is all in the same app, um, $31. Mm. So so as she says at the start of the article, it's $15 service mm-hmm. charge and then the, the working out the rest very much as. So you could just use a lift for four yeah. people, four seats, $9.60. Mm-hmm. But a minivan is the same size as a lift XL. A minivan mm-hmm. will hold six people. It, they, they have minivans for disabled access, minivans for um, the, the, the ECGs at the old yeah, and all, yep. all that type of stuff. So, but so I, I think you've got to compare it to the comparable. So mm. even if you say it was the, I think it was Lyft XL, that was how much? Fifteen dollars. A Lyft XL was fifteen ninety two. Yeah. Okay, so, so lift, lift, lift was fifteen ninety two, and the minivan was thirty one, thirty one. Mm. So basically, it's exactly the same price with the service charge on top. Mm. You've got a qualified cast member who's got an intimate knowledge. Lift might not be able to drop you off at the Magic Kingdom entrance. They might have to drop you off at the Ticket and Transportation Centre. Mm. But the minivan will drop you off at the entrance. Yeah. And there, I mean, if you've got four people in that minivan, or dare I say six people in that minivan, that extra $15 all of a sudden is worth every penny. Put a value on your time, $15, as opposed to getting on that boat or getting on a monorail or getting on a bus for that little short journey. But it's just, I've got a problem with the whole thing, really, which is, which is just, you know the, the the idea that you've you've got to keep paying more and more and more, so therefore, you know if they can get money out of that, where's the incentive for them to invest in their normal transport, which which was always a bit of a highlight of staying on on site. You know, you could get the buses, you could get the monorail, you could get the boats, and that was that. In some cases, that was just a nice part of being on site at Walt Disney World. Now you've got to pay for these other things. So you've got to believe that if they're making money on that, they aren't going to put money into buses or, you know, extending this new, um, what do you call it, Skyliner? Um, I, think, rather... I think they've got to, they would be supplementing, the minivans would be supplementing and helping to, them other services have got to step up as well. So they need investment. They can't be ran down. You can't have everybody in a minivan because when everyone's a superhero, who's a superhero? Mm. Yeah. 
it's going you know, to be, mono- it's gonna be niche to to an extent. It's going to be niche because, yeah. like we talked about with um, you know these dinner packages and stuff like that, not everyone's going to do them. Not everyone can afford to do them. But mm-hmm. if you are planning to go, I mean, Stuart was a was a great example, right? When Stuart went to to Florida last year, because he stayed over at Universal. He stayed at Cabana Bay for two weeks, so he had parking charges at Cabana Bay. And then mm-hmm. every time he wanted to go to Disney World, he had yeah. parking charges. So the thing is, these are now things that we never used to have to worry about before. Because if you stayed yeah. in Disney property, you had parking for free. Your expense for that time was car hire and petrol. That was it. Now, yeah, no. you've got to pay for the car hire, the petrol, and parking on property. And that was actually one of my things. You know, when when I had the brief about you know how could you improve the guest experience that was actually one of my my suggestions or ideas was which is stop chiseling away stop having all these add-ons because it it it, i don't know it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth i'd rather spend an extra couple of dollars per person per night on the hotel than than know that I'm paying $25 a day for parking, to be honest. I'd rather have it rolled into the cost of the hotel. It, it, you know, so, so my suggestion or one of my suggestions around how could you improve the guest experience? If you're like me and you always stay on site at Disney, it's stop adding all these extras on that are separate. Just if, if you need to add that cost into the cost of a night in a hotel, fine. I'd rather that. See, the problem is as well with, with, the parking charges being $25 is that this is on land Disney own mm-hmm. and is paid off. Like they're, they're not paying rent here. It's not like, you know, going back to the example of Cabana Bay, that's a new hotel that's been built in a prime location. Yeah. So they have got to make their money back somehow. Disney don't. This is Disney's way of just making more money. Vegas do it as resort fees. Yeah. Disney are doing it in parking fees. Yeah. And, and I know charge. that, yeah, and I know that. Well, that's the problem. It isn't hidden. I'd probably rather well, it was hidden. I'd yes. feel better if it was hidden. Yeah, well, I know that's. I know that's crazy because you're still paying kind of the same. But but it just it feels like something's being taken away to the point where you know, I mean, next year we're gone next year and parking will be free next year for us. But then the next time we go after that, I don't know if we'd hire a car. Not at, at least not for the whole thing. And this We'd is what maybe, they're banking on, really, yeah. in, in, in one way, is that you don't want to hire a car. Because if you have a car, you can go off property. Yeah. And the whole plan is to keep you in this bubble. That's what they're doing. Yeah. I, I, I understand exactly why they're doing it. And it's it's the reason why. It, is it that or is it just that, that actually they've been so successful? I mean, you guys, I was listening to the, the podcast that you guys did recently with Amanda. And she was you know, bemoaning the fact that the crowds at Disney are so high. I have a little bit of a theory that because we tend to go around Halloween, Halloween Horror Nights and things like that, that we're seeing one of the new peak periods because Food and Wine's been so successful, Mickey's Not So Scary and Halloween Horror Nights, I think, is driving attendances up in October, Mm. right? So I think we're actually seeing, we're going to see more and more October's going to be a peak period, um, but, um, I've lost my point now. 
That's what you get for swigging out the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I get. I mean, I think about that. I do. I do get it. I do. I do get what you're saying. And yeah. the thing is, if you put your holidays, if he you doesn't get what he's saying. No, no. I've just. I've got it again. I've Go got on. it again. Right. So. So. I think that really it's because they've been so popular, the crowds are so high for most of the year now. You know, you've got food and wine, flower and garden. It's always busy during the summer. It's always busy at Christmas. They've got to the point now where they can actually charge these extra amounts for different things. And, you know, if people pay it, great. If not, it just helps them control the crowds. I don't think they give a shit if... If five percent people less go, so long as the ninety-five percent are paying more, they're still making more money. So I, I think I think that was a, that was my point really is that they've just been so successful at driving crowds through the whole year that they've got to the point where they can actually use profit to control the crowd levels. I think that's what they're trying to do. They're working towards it, mm-hmm. because they've just brought in tiered ticketing prices, yeah. that type of stuff for trying to to control crowd levels yeah. the point you made about I'd rather they put $2 on everybody's hotel rooms rather than $25 for the car people Well, then therefore everybody's getting penalised for the car people at least if they're being up front and saying we're going to charge you $25 to park your car the one way around that to beat the system is to say, I haven't got a car. Yeah. Up yours. Yeah. So then you, you know, that's, that's how this whole thing, this wouldn't be given away as the dining plan. Mm-hmm. This would be a paid, an upcharge. Like I've not, not got a problem with upcharging. It's, it's not the haves or the have nots, but it's, I think it would be extremely mm-hmm. profitable for them. I think it would mm-hmm. be, a perk, I don't think it'd be mass. I don't think you're going to have a queue of minivans, of 2,000 minivans all trying to get into Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that, really, I think. Mm-hmm. The thing is, look, you know, if you're going to spend 500 quid on car hire, or, and that's before petrol, and that's before parking charges, or you can spend 500 quid and get you know, two trips in a minivan for your duration of your stay, like 28 trips, what are you going to go for? Because they're going to be so good. Yeah. You're spending the same money, except Disney see all that money rather than a car hire company and, you know, Shell or, you know, Texaco or whatever. Um, so. But it does, it does limit you though. Because, you know, so say you want to go to the, the water parks and you don't have a car. Water parks. Well, no, they're water parks. Blizzard Beach, right. Typhoon Lagoon, right? So you, you've now got to take a bus that goes... Oh, shit, there goes my phone. You've now got to take a bus <laughs> that takes you to Blizzard Beach and then goes to Disney Springs, for example, right? Or, or you've got to take... Because you haven't got a car. And, you know, I know I know the, the piece about keeping you in the bubble. I, I, I get that. But sometimes when you're going to park up... You know, I'm not leaving the bubble, but it's much more convenient for me to take a car to go 
say, Disney Springs and then go to Epcot or the Boardwalk and then go to the Magic Kingdom. And, and you're more than welcome to do that. Yeah. But you'll be paying $25 a day for the privilege. You'll be paying $1,100 a holiday yeah. for the privilege yeah. of doing that. And which I didn't used to have to pay, which is what pisses me off. And also as well, you know, and that is a good point, but this is going to, like, our, our vision of this would be like a Disney dining plan. But therefore, on Tuesday, if you're happy to, um, you know, just get the bus all day, mm-hmm. then you've got four credits for the next day. Yeah, you can bank them. You don't have to use them. If you're on the if you're staying at the beach club, you're not going to use a, a minivan to go to Hollywood Studios or Epcot. No. No. So you're winning on them days, and then you, so you can go to and from the water park. It, if that's how it works, it may just be you know a certain amount per day, and you've got unlimited use of the minivans. Yeah. At the end of the yeah. day, this is just our concept. So, you yeah, know, Disney are obviously going to steal this idea at some point in some capacity, but. P-Dubs, yeah. you've been noticeably quiet. Biding your time, trying to listen to the three old men. He's like a little he's skilled, skilled, he's, 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 he? getting, yeah. he's getting ready to jump in. The blanket's yeah. off. Yeah. He's yeah. ready to come in. He's taking yeah, well, his shirt off. I was, well, I haven't gone that far. Not yet. That's later on, Craig. The oil comes out. Hello. <laughs> um, I was, I was going to go down a similar line with, with my first one in the transport side of things. And, and we all know that the monorail's in need of some major work. We know it's coming. We know they're working on it. Expand it. It's ridiculous that it only runs between two of the parks. You've got a park that they say they have to keep perfectly clear in Animal Kingdom, yet they've got no decent transport other than buses and cars to get into it. Surely the monorail is the most, the least invasive of every mode of transport that they've got. Or the Skyliner. Or the Skyliner, and it doesn't go there. And it it is an absolute pain to get there compared to the other parks. Just expand it. You've got a ticket and transportation centre that you can only get to two parks from. Surely with this this upgrade that they're doing, surely there's room for them to expand it now. I know it's expensive, but surely it's worth it in the long run. What they're running on now is 20, 30 years old. And it's still going. Do you think the skyline is going to be because they've thrown this thing up? They have thrown it up. Um, do you think that is going to be ro- cheaper to roll out than expanding the monorail? Possibly. I, I think so. But it's not going to hold anywhere near as many people. And I don't know, but they're pretty big and continuous. That's the thing, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what did it take, 16 or... I think it's you know, 30, is it, maybe? Yeah, but I mean, it's... I I wouldn't like to be in one of them when the freaking lightning starts coming down. Well, they won't be able to use them. Now, the other thing as well, I'm sure I've I've heard Jim Hill saying this is limited to hotel guests for the time being. Yeah, because there's no way they could take it any more than than the hotel guests. So if you haven't got a, a hotel reservation and you walk halfway across the park and you're in the dark on this situation and you get to the Skyliner um, terminal to go to Hollywood Studios and they go, no, the computer says no, then you've got kids kicking off, You've got so then they're letting just people on. and Yeah. Are we sure about that? Are we sure it's, um, it's hotel guests only? 
To start with, apparently, yeah. Apparently. That's, what that's, that's okay. the key thing. There's no official announcement from Disney yet, but that's the expectation. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not worried about the lightning. I mean, you know, what could possibly go wrong there? Tower of Terror. Well, this is, and that's the thing, like, Paul's got a good point there about the, I suppose, the environmental impact, just in general. You know, we're at a time when, I mean, not here Donald Trump, but everyone else is talking about climate change. Um, he's talking about ways of being greener, being more energy efficient. Um, you know, buses and cars are not. Now, you've got electric cars, you've got electric buses, you've got uh, buses that run on alternative fuels, but they're not being used. So the thing is, you've either got to replace an entire fleet of buses and cars, or you build an extension to the monorail. Now, monorail is probably going to be more expensive, but for you know, arguably more reliable, definitely more fun. I mean, who wants yeah. to ride a bus? If I want to ride a bus, I'll go and ride a bus down the road. I don't like go all the way to Florida to ride a bus. I can't ride a monorail in Essex. So, bus wanker. <laughs> You know, I've got, to, I've got to do something more fun. I've got to do something that you can only do at Disney. Or, you know, Haverbrook. Put them on the map. Um, apparently. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, I, I, I agree. I think the monorail is a great system that they don't really utilise to its full advantage. And why it just does that small loop is beyond me. Yeah. yeah, there's so much room for expansion on it. And as I say, they've got a ticket and transportation centre that mm-hmm. literally you can get to two parks from and yeah, a couple what, of hotels. What happens... Yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to see them do that. I'd love to see them extend the monorail. I know it's expensive, but it'd be fantastic. And but then... as we say, it's, it's already due to go under a mm-hmm. major refurb in the next couple of years anyway. So, mm-hmm. so why not use that time to expand it? Yeah. What, what happens during... Uh, like a thunderstorm with a monorail. Does the monorail stop? No, no, it still goes. It goes faster if it gets hit. Yeah. <laughs> 88 miles an hour. So, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, this new um, gondola system they're putting into place, that is only going to be really usable during good weather. Do you know what, right? You've got to think that they've got the safety features in place, i.e. the lightning fork things, to protect them. Probably every stanchion is a lightning fork and it's yeah. all earthed. I wouldn't like I to be standing so. underneath one of them. Yeah, I think you're right. No, but I'm not. I'm because not otherwise, it, they could lit. This is a an 18 hour um, tourist attraction. You know, basically 18 hours a day, give or take a shilling. It's running. So you're in, in that climate, it could only be running for six of them hours because of thunderstorms. I'm just a write off. I'm not thinking more like to me, like yes, thunderstorms are a big problem in Florida, but surely a bigger problem is hurricane season. Which yeah. seems to change and get longer when it does come along as well. Now, if it's hurricane season, they ain't going up. Well, it's, yeah, you're right. But, I mean, it's, they've got pretty good radar systems. You know, they, they, they shut the water parks if they, if they see a storm coming. Yeah. It, it would it would be like that, I think. So you may get interruptions. Oh, I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not saying that. You're, you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying that what happens, you know, if they're moving and it happens, yeah, they won't mm. be putting them up. But what I'm saying is, is that 
other things will still be able to operate if there's a bit of wind. Yeah. But they won't. Yeah. Like, you can put as many mm-hmm. safety features as you want, but you are not mm-hmm. going to put something up in the sky when the weather conditions aren't right for it. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, I think there will be some weather interruptions, but, you know, they've probably, you know, they've, they've got enough experience to know that that's manageable, you know. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's, it'll be a small percentage of the time, I think. Do you know when hurricanes are coming days in advance? Yeah. You know, so... Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was my idea anyway. Mm. Well, it's led on, on to conversation about other things, so I think it's good. I still think it's I, I, I still think it's something they should really consider looking at. Um especially if they want to keep you in that bubble. Um mm. and yet I completely agree and understand with you know the against on that as well. Because yeah, it's something else to, to add on top. But you're the thing is, we're lucky that we're still getting it for free. And that's the thing. I think if we weren't, and everyone else was in this position now where you're having to pay extra for parking in the hotels or in the parks, then this wouldn't be having a conversation we'd be having too much. The minivans would be able to remain as a niche thing for people that want that little bit of VIP luxury. But now you're going to spend the money one way or another. I mean, the thing going, the buses, the monorail, everything else, you're all paying, we're all paying for it indirectly anyway. Mm-hmm. That, that is that $2 that you've just said there a night. Yeah. That you pay on your hotel rooms. That's right. The, you know, and that's all built into the, a percentage of every park ticket is for mm-hmm. maintaining the transportation system. Yeah. And that's, that was my point really. Just roll it into the cost, you know? Mm. But. They're not going to do that. It's done. You know what I mean? So we just got to, just got to grin and bear it, I suppose. But, uh, it will make us think about after 2018. You know, I, I don't know that we'd have a car for the whole time. I think what we'd probably do is magical express to the resort, stay in the bubble for a period of time, go to the car care center, hire a car for a couple of days, and then we'd do all the other stuff like Universal, the state parks, you know, spend a few days doing other stuff and then back to Disney, turn the car in. And uh, and off you go again. That's the that's the thing that is sort of because next year we haven't got a car and there's seventeen of us going. And do you watch Eleanor? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Eleanor dreaming. Yeah. Now they on one of their vlogs the other day they ran out to the bus stop to go to the beach club, and they waited fifty minutes for the bus. Mm -hmm. So. That was a quiet part of the day. That can't be allowed to happen. Yeah, well, that's that, and that's my concern. If if the minivans are going well, where's the incentive to put more money into the buses and and put on extra buses? You know, that's. And I, I know what you're saying. The minivan is a niche thing, but they know that Uber is pretty popular. It's not. It's not as niche as you think, really. There's a lot of people using Uber. I mean, Heather was out there for 13 months working there, and she used Uber all the time, mm-hmm. and, and and her mates did as well. Not not just going to the park and back for work, but you know, going to the parks just for fun and going to the resorts or Disney Springs or whatever. But that's only good if you can get one. At the end of the day, there's got to be a limit. As Craig mm-hmm. said, you can't suddenly go, okay, well we're going to have a thousand minivans now because that's yeah. how popular they are. It is going to be. Uh, niche is probably the wrong word, but it's going to be um, 
selective. Mm-hmm. It's going to be controlled in that in that way. So it's not a case of well, no one's going to use buses, or no one's going to use a monorail, um, or, or no one's going to use another service because they're going to have to. They they yeah. they wouldn't be able to just go because otherwise they'd scrap everything and just have minivans running around on a slot car track. It's not it's not how it's going to work. People will still use buses. People will still use monorails. People will also. You know, we're talking about, well, do you hire a car, do you get minivans? Well, you've got people that have spent every last penny into going there and haven't got any extra money. But they are going to have to rely on Disney transportation mm-hmm. because they either yeah. don't have the money to or think, I've paid enough for this holiday, I'm not paying any more. So you'll always have people that won't want to, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's saving time, wouldn't be interested in minivans or or anything else because... That that's what they want to spend, and that's it. So, yeah. it's it's an option, but it's not going to, I think, decimate any, you know anything else. Um, but it keeps you in that bubble. It's the reason I've never done Disney dining plan, because to me, unless I was going for you know if I was going for two weeks of Disney and a, a third week going to other places, dining plan would be good. But normally, I'm there for a period of time where I'm not going to get the most out of the dining plan because I'll be going to Universal, I'll be going to SeaWorld, I'll be going to other stuff. The dining plan's great if you're going to stay in that bubble. Imagine if you combine the two of them, the Disney driving plan and the Disney dining plan. Mm. Literally have a turkey leg on the back seat. It's called a drive-thru. Oh, bliss. Disney drive-thru. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then fo- shortly to be followed by the Disney dump plan. Yeah. Because right. they, they know when you eat, right? so they can plan out your next movement. You can never pin when I'm going to dump. (laughs) We normally can, though. We normally get a picture. Normally see his face. Um, Mm. Mr. D, uh, that's not to say anyone else isn't organised, but Mm -hmm. you've got a bit of paper. I mean, it doesn't get much more old school than that. (laughs) So, um, what was was on your list? What was the next on your list? Yeah, I mean, so I, I took the brief as... You know, so it isn't attractions. It's it's things that would improve the guest experience. And I I took it from the point of view of you know, as I said earlier, they've been really successful at driving the crowds up. There are very few times of the year now that you would call a really quiet time. So so what are some of the other things? And 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 some of it is kind of back to the future. You know, some of the stuff that that they did do before. Um, that, that maybe they don't do quite so much now. So it was, it, I suppose my first one was really around, um, putting back some of the little touches and the little individual touches that they used to have and they don't have anymore. So things like, you know, they've just cut back on the streetmosphere characters. Mm. Um, they used to have pre-shows to things like Beauty and the Beast. They'd have, you know, um, what they called now, five for a dollar, I think it was. They were absolutely fantastic, but it, it enhances the guest experience, but also it, it sucks up the crowds, which I think they're going to need to do, particularly in the studios when uh, Galaxy's Edge opens up. But they've already got that problem in the Magic Kingdom at peak times. The Magic Kingdom is a really busy park. So so it's putting back some of the little individual things. The other things is, you know, Disney Dining Plan is a kind of staple of, of a Disney holiday for a lot of people now. 
and 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 yet they've homogenized a lot of the menus you know it's the same food you're getting in different restaurants it didn't used to be like that it used to be quite individual you'd go somewhere and there was a themed menu and it was the only place you could get that food so i'd like to see them going back to some of that kind of stuff really um just adding some of the little the little touches that made it a little bit special you know and that's that's an argument really that Disneyland Paris had for a long time is that people said there was no variety. You know, you go from one restaurant to the next, and I don't, I don't think that was actually the case. I do think it did suffer from a lot of burgers, mm-hmm. and chips everywhere, but you never really got the same burger in in the next restaurant down. There was always some kind of variation on it, but I, I understood the argument to an extent. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think if that's if that's the case, then yeah, I think that something needs to be addressed. Is that because the Disney dining plan doesn't make enough money? And so, by reducing the options or by reducing, dare I say, the kind of quality of the food that you get, mm. does that, you know? Yeah, well, it wasn't so much the quality. I think it's just, it, I mean, everybody knows that if you standardise the menus, you're going to save money. So, you know, you're going to be buying things in bulk. And, yeah. and and they haven't gone completely that way, thankfully. You know, there's still some restaurants that have got some distinctive things and you can't you can't get anywhere else. But they've definitely gone more in that direction. And and things like, you know, the live entertainment, they've definitely cut that back over the years. And I, I understand that that's a cost, but when the parks are so busy, if it if it is an attraction, if it is something like a, a pre-show, right, where it means that instead of Beauty and the Beast being, I don't know, 30 minutes, now you've got the pre-show as well and the whole thing's 45 minutes, they've, they've kept a quite a, a large number of people entertain for an extra 15 minutes there's got to be some kind of value to that you know they haven't spent 40 billion dollars putting in a new ride um so there is a cost to it but there's a benefit as well and you know as i say especially on the really busy parks at really busy times i think it would it would you know give people a, a another kind of experience it, it does baffle me when you watch the likes of Lou Mangiello and various vloggers, and I'm not slagging them off, but they walk in and they go, this is the best um, mac and cheese on property. And you're just thinking, look, mate, the mac and cheese van mm. has, has driven in one end of the resort and made its deliveries and dumped about four tonnes of mac and cheese into all these restaurants and then driven back out the other end. Yeah. Same with it, like chicken nuggets. These chicken nuggets are the best chicken nuggets on property. They're the same as the next one down, the next one down, the next one. All they do is they sprinkle a bit of bacon on them or they sprinkle a bit of friggin' garlic on them or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? There is a lot of that goes on. A bit of mm-hmm. sort Can I, um, can I share a private story? Um, no. I just, tough. I just, uh, I just celebrated. Come out. I just celebrated my ninth wedding anniversary. And one of the things that stands out the most about um, my wedding day was actually the night before the wedding. Whoa. And I hadn't finished. And, <laughs> the mac we, and cheese. Were, we were in a, a harvester. 
because that was the nearest restaurant to the hotel that we were staying in. Um, and all the family that stayed overnight, we all went over the roads this harvest and we all had a, a meal together. Jelly deals. And, um, no, it was in Brighton. And, um, we were there and this rather flamboyant man was sat at a table, a few, um, not you, Craig, was sat a few tables along. And, uh, during our meal, he jumped out of his seat and he said, please, waiter, get me the chef. I must speak to the chef. I was like, oh, Jesus, what's going on? And uh, this waiter brought the chef out from the kitchen. And he was <laughs> making me laugh even think about now. And uh, he said, chef, I wanted to get you out here. I have to compliment you on the meal I have just had. I have been to many countries around the world. But this was by far the greatest steak I have ever experienced in my life. And I had to bring you out here to tell you how wonderful this steak was. It was magnificent. And he kept going on and lot and getting more flamboyant and everything. And it was the weirdest thing. Because anyone that's ever eaten in a harvester, and I do appreciate that harvester's been mentioned on this podcast far too much recently for no reason whatsoever. Um, they don't sponsor us. They should do. Um, but, I mean, it is just a chain restaurant steak. There is nothing amazing about a harvester steak at all. And yet this bloke was talking about how extravagant it was and how he'd eaten steak in all parts of the world. And this was by far the best steak. And so to be honest, whilst mm. on the 23rd of October every year, I should be celebrating the fact that I've managed to remain married for another year. I actually am more concerned about the 22nd of October and think about that time that that man in Brighton had the world's best steak in a harvester. <laughs> Every 22nd of October, you should go to harvest and have a steak. I should do. That's, that's how I should honour him. I mean, I'd struggle not eating meat anymore, but yeah, I um, think we should buy one and just toast it to the sky and say, wherever you are, man, here's a steak on, in, in, in honour of you. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't understand why people get so excited about food like that when it is just you know, convey about food, I suppose. Yeah, well, don't get me wrong, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just, it's just, you know, it's too much of the same thing in different restaurants. I mean, and, and it didn't used to be like that, so it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, there's a cost to that, but, but if we're talking about, you know, what could you do to enhance a guest experience, it's things like that, it's putting some of the little touches back in again, which is a cost, right, but, but it's a hell of a lot less than putting in a major headliner right. So go well, back to some of the little touches, you know? Well, I mean, if you listen to the last episode of This After Dark that Ripples is on, or I don't know if it hasn't been recorded yet, I'm not sure where this fits in the timeline, I don't know. But he went to Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween party, and didn't he say, oh, once you got in there, all the literature, all the bump was the same as Disneyland. Yeah. For I'm Mickey. Saying all, the, all the promotional stuff for it was uh, mm -hmm. called Mickey's Halloween, Halloween party. Yeah. Rather than yes. not so scary. So oh, how yeah. so how much money have they saved there? How tight is that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, is that any different to what Universal do with Halloween Horror Nights now? How do you mean? Well, you know, what they try and do is make the T-shirts have... Um, 
not so much in the last few years, but there was a time when Hollywood and Orlando would have pretty much the same houses. So you'd either get a shirt which had all the houses on, or you'd get a shirt that would have certain houses on or both locations, both coasts. So therefore, they could sell the exact same shirt at both parks. Mm -hmm. I mean, Disney have been doing this for years with the the standardisation, Disney parks. uh, They all say Disney parks on all the stuff rather Mm -hmm. than... Uh, the beach club or, or, or whatever. I always say the beach club, sorry. But you know what I mean? It's but all Disney you, Parks merchandise. I was going to say, if you mm. buy a, a cuddly toy, it doesn't, like, I remember back in the olden days, if you got a Mickey Mouse from Walt Disney World, it would have a Walt Disney World tag on it. Mm-hmm. Whilst now it's Disney, Disney Parks. So Made that, in Taiwan. That, yeah, that cuddly toy could be sold at Paris, could be sold in Orlando, could be sold in California, could be sold in Shanghai. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's generic. It can mm-hmm. be sold in a resort. So, mm-hmm. does anybody, did, did anybody eat in the sci-fi diner when they used to give away the, um, the frisbees, the glow-in-the-dark frisbees? I've had there yeah. many times, but I've never had a frisbee. Yeah. And, and, and the, the waiters used to be on roller skates because it was like a drive-in one that. Right. Now, I'm sure there's some health and safety thing there or insurance thing. That's why they're not on roller skates. So I, I kind of get that. But it was just little things like that. There were a lot more little touches when we started going to Disney that they've, that they've kind of standardized out. And, um, some of those things were quite fun and, uh, can enhance the guest experience, I think. Do you, do you think, in terms of the dining plan, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think I know what your answer is going to be, but would you like to see it tiered so that if you're on a dining plan, you get certain choices of food? So if you're on the standard dining plan, and I, look, I know that we already have different tiers of dining plan, but what I mean is, is that you've got menus. A different mm. menu, you mean? Yeah, so yeah. if you go into the Sci-Fi Diner, if you're on the... Uh, deluxe dining plan, you get mm. a choice of about seven options. Whilst if you're on like the moderate, you get four options. You know that kind of thing. So you're paying mm. more for your dining plan, possibly. Um, whether that's for your hotel if you bought it separately, whatever. But yeah. you've got a, a more extensive menu. Would you be more interested in that, or do you think just in general the food should be? you know, more unique regardless. Yeah, I think, I think I'd probably rather, and I think it would be easier to manage to just have restaurants that are, that have got different food. So if you think about it now, between Disney Springs and the parks, there's actually, for example, quite a lot of Italian restaurants now. Okay. You've got Tito Italia, you've got Via Napoli. There's a, there's two or three now. Um, you've Bernard got Stimpy's the one on main street. Yeah, you've got the one in uh, the Boardwalk, uh, Trattoria Al Forno. But if you look at some of the dishes, they're they're common. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, pasta rizzo or pizza rizzo. That's that's shot now. Yeah, seasonal. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I would rather see those different restaurants have slightly different menus. Mm. I think if you've got different tiers in the same restaurant, it's going to be really tough because if you've got certain dishes that are only for say the deluxe plan you'd need double the fridges in the back 
Yeah, and the wastage would go up and all of that. Because you don't know, you might not know exactly how many people that you're going to get in who are going to choose from from the deluxe menu. So I'd probably rather it was just variety, you know, between the restaurants. And the, the thing, when you're on the dining plan, you are instantly drawn to, what's the most expensive thing on the menu? And that gets tiring uh, mm. eating a steak every night for your tea after about 11 or 12 nights. Yeah. So by the, by the 13th night, you'd actually want a salad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you're right. You always look at that. I think, we, 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 you know, I would look at that, but then I wouldn't necessarily pick the most expensive thing on a menu. I think because two weeks on the dining plan or three weeks on the dining plan is quite a long time, so you end up just choosing the thing that you really fancy, you really want, I think. Mm, I'm yeah. not like that though. I'm I'm near the way. <laughs> I think I think you definitely. You're the do. one that's paying the premium for the minivans. <sighs> True. I, I do think you get those. You get two different types of people when it comes to time plans. You get those that want to get the best bang for their buck and will get the most expensive thing just because they can. And you know, people like yourself who will just go, well, I paid for it. I'm just going to eat what I want, regardless on if that's actually. You, you know, because some, if you worked out on a on a day by day basis what the dining plan costs to what you've actually spent if you'd have paid cash, then you know you might not have had the best value for money. But overall, you'll probably still be quids up, you know, because you've had enough expensive meals to offset when you've had those slightly cheaper ones. Yeah, yeah, we did it last time. We I kept a track because when even though you're on the dining plan you get a receipt for the meal. So it tells you what the meal would have cost if you'd paid for it. Mm-hmm. And and I kept them just for a laugh and I, and I, and I just told them up. And, and it wasn't much difference between paying cash and, and paying for the dining plan. But it's just that whole thing of it's done, it's paid for, you don't need to worry about it. You can just go in and, you know, have what you want. We were naive last year. We cocked up, so we started tipping them at the mm-hmm. restaurant. And then getting back to the hotel and finding the tips has been put on the room. Mm. On the room? Mm. Yeah. We never had that. When you, when you sign, you yeah. can tick a little box to say you want to pay them in person. Right. Well, we were ticking that little box to say we've paid them in person. Uh, and then, and then they were putting it on the room as well. So uh, we right. had, we had made, I think it was the sci-fi diner, did it? We had yeah. made it with the reception because we were like, we want that money back. Mm. Because we give them cash. Mm. We got it back in the end. There was a yeah. lot of arguing with them. Mm-hmm. And in the end, after that, we stopped tipping. Because it was a standard tip anyway, because there was eight of us, so we had to pay whatever. The, mm-hmm. Well, with the kids as well, there was... Uh, oh, no, there was eight of us, yeah. yeah. But we had to pay whatever the, the gratuity was. 18%, and Yeah. 18%, so I think. It was irrelevant then. Yeah. We... So we were literally paying for our own families on our, in, rather than sitting there with our shoes and socks off at the table. Every night I'd just go down and settle up the, uh, the tips. Mm-hmm. That's what we do in Liverpool, shoes and socks off at the table. Yeah, I can just imagine them in the kitchen, in the, yeah. uh, the California grill. Oh, you'll never guess. That bunch have got their bloody shoes and socks off again. For Christ's sake. We've all seen bread. Yeah. Talking about the California Grill, on Chris's episode, which hasn't been recorded yet, but might have been out three months ago, when he had horrific service in the California Grill, did he still tip? 
Uh, I can't remember what he said now. He didn't. He didn't say whether he tipped or not. I would have thought he he would have done, just because he's a polite Brit. Yeah. I mean, regardless, with we'll come to that in a bit. But regardless, whether he should have or not, I think that's the problem: is that you don't want to be chased out afterwards. So, you know, mm-hmm. P Dubs. I'm sure you've yep. got uh, a, a couple of uh, books worth of uh, improvements. So, where do you want to go? He looks first? like he looks like Ronnie Corbett, doesn't he? Just about to tell us a little story. Well, um, four candles. But um, yeah, my my next one was, and it's something that you don't hear very often. And and I take something from from Disneyland Paris. Um, it may not look pretty. But it works, and that would be to put the the scanners in instead of bag checks. Yeah, the queues to to get through security at, at Disney World are atrocious at times. Um, I know plenty of regulars that complain about it, and surely people would much rather put their bag through a scanner and walk through a scanner than have to stop, have someone mm-hmm. put their hands in the bags, have. God knows what checked, never knowing what's in there that you're not trying to hide, but probably wouldn't mm-hmm. want people to see where you can just stick it through a machine instead. Wouldn't it be a laugh to just get like a big group of people and go through and everybody's got something really odd, something different in each of their bags, just like, like a fish or I don't know, an organ. Do you know what I mean? A dildo. Oh, sorry, you said organ. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Exactly that. <laughs> See, when he said organ, I was thinking, a foot? <laughs> there you go, you're back, you're back to working at the tip again. So, Mr. D, have you been to Disneyland Paris and done security things? I think everyone yeah. else on here has. Yeah. yeah, it was a joke, though. It was a farce. Okay. Right. Because you put your bag on there, and the, the the blokes were just talking. They were not looking at the screen at all. Yeah, that's you what I've seen as well. You could have had a freaking rocket launcher in that bag, and they would have no clue. Yeah, I see. But, that. but Paul, Paul's absolutely right. It 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 would speed things up, and and obviously the American security guys are fairly vigilant. So so it would be an improvement, definitely. To be honest, I mean Disneyland Paris has something that Walt Disney World doesn't which is machine guns everywhere. So regardless, even if you think the security might be a little bit lax, there's mm-hmm. enough firepower in a, a very short space of time to make sure nothing drastic happened. But um, I, I've got to say, like my experience hasn't been quite as bad as that. Um, you know, they, they seem to have been fairly attentive. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe, you know, I, I've just been lucky when going through. But that that park feels more safe. Like, I've never felt more safe in a Disney park than in Paris because yeah. of the fact that they have those if they use them properly. The fact that you've got, you know, armed police with proper guns, uh, you know, just outside the main gates, you know, it scares... Some people, like, find it a bit off-putting. That just makes me feel even more safe. Um, I, I just think it's a much better and quicker way of doing things as well. Um... I agree that the current system at, at Disney World is, is just far too long. It, I mean, what we did last year is we would pile all the bags onto the pram 
and push one poor bastard through. And then everybody else would go through the nothing to declare aisle. But they'd all stand there then for 15 minutes while this 97-year-old retired Floridian went through every single bag with a fine-tooth comb, looking through every single pocket. So the system is flawed because you you, you do sort of you run that that you like that aren't you which which is the queues moving the fastest which queues moving the fastest and they're all trying to be very polite and they're all trying to be very how's your day have a magical day oh happy birthday sailor oh princess you oh and all that whereas in paris they didn't look up from their phones when we were there but at the same time how many guns have they found inside disneyland paris's two parks we know of at least one at disney world Yeah, but do you know if anybody wanted to get a gun in any of them parks, he could get a gun. Of course they could. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. He could bypass that security if he wanted. Mm. That's what I'm saying. So the the fact is, is that I think Disneyland Paris have got a better system, even if it's not implemented properly. Um, yeah. And and Disney will check everything and still let people in with guns. So yeah, I think I, scanners are a good idea. I think that until there's a, um, I don't want to say it, but until there's a massacre or, or some horrific event takes mm-hmm. place, it won't be brought in. But it should be brought in. It's both, both systems are more a visual deterrent than anything because it depends on the person, how vigilant they're being, how big the queue is because they might, they, I've been there where they've, they've, nose through two pockets of my bag and then just wave me on and my bag's full. Yeah. But because the queue, because the pressure is mounting, they've just waved me through. Yeah. I could have had a a Glock or something. But then saying that, I mean, you know, we, nothing is, is completely safe, is it? How many people have got on aeroplanes since 9-11 and all those security measures have been put in place and still brought guns on, still brought bombs on, you know, and and that's with people that are, you know, supposed to be top notch at doing that. So no system's perfect, as you say. If somebody wants to do something, they'll find a way. Um, but in terms of cues and experience, mm-hmm. yeah, I think P Dubs is onto something with that one. Was yeah. it the, the the horrific shooting at that nightclub last year? Yeah, uh, in in Orlando, was it two years ago now? A oh, couple of years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He was in Disney Springs, mm-hmm. looking for for targets. Mm. Well, yeah, because there's know, nothing. There's nothing in Disney Springs at all. Nothing at Disney Springs, and he. I don't know what. I need to read the report again, but he got spooked and he went and did what he did elsewhere. Mm. You know, but what's to stop him getting on one of the boats at Disney Springs, going to one of the resorts, and. You know, it just doesn't bear thinking about. There's there's ways and means for them to do what whatever they want to do. Yeah, but you got to remember, I think in, in all the parts, whether it's Disneyland Paris or Walt Disney World, there's there's I'm pretty sure there's a lot of security measures that you don't know anything about. You know that there's oh, with all sorts of surveillance and things like that. Um, We're scousers. We get tailed everywhere we go. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a reason. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig. Was was there another one that you had, or I did have another one, didn't I? And I put this out to the group, so you all know about it. Yeah. I want to get rid of fast pass. Yeah, I want to. 
I want to bring, I want to take the universal model and I want the deluxe resort of how many there is at Disney. There's what, five Walt Disney World? I want them to all get free, unlimited fast fact. Yeah, controversial. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. I do. I love it. Yeah, of course you do, but you like to spend stupid amounts of money at hotels. I think if you're going to replace the magic band system at Disney World... I'm not not replacing the magic band system. I think if you're replacing the magic band system at Disney World, you want to look towards the max pass. You don't want to look towards what you're suggesting, because, again... That's just another example of making the the rich have a much better experience than the poor, effectively. It it's works. Elitist. It's elitist. It works at, it works at Universal every day of the week. Yeah, but it's elitist. The three top hotels at Universal have unlimited express passes and daily park admission, and it works. Then everybody else in the, all the other hotels has early park admission. And it works, and they have the option to buy the different tiered express passes. They ride them once or ride them unlimited. And then it's further worked out on um, the prices tiered for the busy days, so it's more expensive, and it's cheaper on the quieter days. And again, it's something that you don't have to buy. And if more people aren't buying it, then only the express passes that are going out to the deluxe hotels are getting used. Therefore, the standby lines should be smaller because there's less people using the express passes because the fast passes are open to everybody. So, in theory, the the, the stuff like Spaceship Earth, why should you have to wait for Spaceship Earth? It's a fucking... What's that thing called? Where they come... No, it's a continuous, um, the same as Haunted Mansion. And it's an Omni-Mover. There should never be a queue for that. But people are waiting 30 minutes now to get on it because the fast pass is out of control. If, it, if you took control back and you just give a set amount of people, i.e. the deluxe people, every day, the express passes then you know there's only them and then the others can be sold and you're still making money. It's it's win win. Yeah, it's, it's more money more money for them and it's less sold or less given away and the general public have got more access to the, the walk on rides then. So P Dubs, what's the uh what's the hotel at Universal? The uh Italian style one. Portofino. Right. So you say Portofino, you get uh, Express Pass for Universal. Right? Yeah. So how much does Portofino Bay cost per night compared to staying at the Grand Floridian? Well, none of us have done our own way because it's this after dark. Right. <laughs> right. But without. Grand Floridian's more expensive. Right. Easily. You don't even need to look up exactly. The only thing you need to look up is how much cheaper, but it's going to be dramatically cheaper. And you're not going to be going there for two weeks. You're going to be going there for three or four days, five days tops. You're not going to be spending two or three weeks at Universal Property, right? So you're... Some people do. 
Amanda um, does. Yeah, well, but she wouldn't. She wouldn't stay there for two weeks. But anyway, regardless of that, the fact is, you're not. She would if she could. The money. You're not going to be spending the same amount of money as you would do having to stay at a deluxe resort at Disney. That is for people in a way where money is is pretty much no object to do. No, 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 no. To stay at a deluxe at Disney, you've got four parks to start, whereas you've only got two parks at Universal. And so you don't even need an Express Pass for most of the year. The only time you need an Express Pass is during the summer. What, at Universal? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think it's as... Big of a deal as fast passes are. No. At Disney. If and also have... I think you got, you got more deluxe rooms as well. You got far more deluxe rooms at Disney. So you're talking about a much so you've, bigger you've, group of people. You've, yeah, but you've also got double the, the, double the attractions, more than double the attractions at Disney compared to yeah. Universal. But yeah, it's so the headliners though, isn't it? I mean, that, that's the thing about, that's the thing about the principle of Disney's Fast Pass that I like is, you know, you, you're going to spend a hell of a lot of money and the particular prices are still going up. You know, you spend a hell of a lot of money for a couple of days at Disney for your average American guest, right? They, they don't go for two, three weeks. They go for three, four, five days. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe one day in each park, maybe two. And, and having the Fast Pass system gives them a chance to at least get on one or two of the big headliners each day. But they could still have that because they'd be they'd be staying in a cheaper hotel, one of the the moderates or the um, the budget. I can never remember what they're called. Yeah, um, the values, the value resort. resort yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they can do that and just go and pay sixty dollars per person to ride once on every ride in whatever park they're in for the day. Mm. Right, I I don't know. I tried to find out how many deluxe rooms there are on property at Walt Disney World. Let's say it's 10,000 people, right? Ballpark figure, making it up, got no evidence. There's 10,000 express passes every day going out, right? At the moment, how many people are at that resort getting fast passes every day? At at a busy peak, maybe 50,000 per 200,000 people in the parks all fighting for fast passes. Mm. If if you've only got the elite or whatever you want to call them staying in the deluxes and their 10,000 express passes, then surely that frees up the standby queues to move a lot quicker. Because well, yeah, there's, there's less express. Yeah, but then like they get oversubscribed. Which? The standby lines. But they don't, because there's no... Exp- they only... Everything worked before Fast Pass and Express Pass existed. The lines well, moved. Yeah, but you've always you've always had Fast Pass, well, as long as I can remember, you've had Fast Pass at Disney. And um, for me, the, the system that we've got at the minute, I don't think is as good or as fair as the original system. And I'm not suggesting we go back to paper-based, but I liked where Nick was going with the, the max pass idea that you've got at California. To me, that's a that's a better system. It's app-based, I think. Amazing. And it's paid. You've got to pay for it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not though? sure. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's still elitist because you've got to pay. No, it's, it, it is. It is, but the current system's elitist as well because, you know, the, the, the guests who are staying on site, 
can book up 60 days in advance. Bingo. And if you don't stay on site, you can, you can only book 30 days in advance. So if you're not on site, your chances of getting flight of passage, a fast pass for flight of passage. Exactly. Are the square root of SFA, right? Amanda um, couldn't get flight of passage. No. No, she won't. She won't. Cause but, by the time she gets there, they've been gone by 30 days. Exactly. But if she was to walk into the park and buy an express pass, ride each ride once in Animal Kingdom for the day, she's on that ride once. Yeah. I'm sure Disney will model that. And if they could make more money on it, I'm sure they would. I think, I think, I don't know. I just think the, the maths are a bit different in Disney World. I think, I suppose you could do it. You probably have to limit the number of fast passes that you sold in a day. Which, which Universal, I presume, do? Yeah. They probably do because there's not the demand. Again, you're comparing a theme park which has, you know, a much lower attendance to a park that has a much higher attendance. So it has, you can only fill what you've got. And at the moment, Universal is a two park or, and one water park attraction. So therefore, the hotels you've got are comparable to the two theme parks you've got. Disney's got four theme parks and therefore has got more hotels. It's, it's just, we need to see the fractions and whatever and, and the percentages and all these big mathematic words. But I would imagine if you had the charts and everything like that and it was all worked out, there's not much difference. If you put another two um, theme parks at Universal, you could double the hotels. Couldn't I, you? I, I get what you're saying, but the thing is, like, to me, if you're... Um, the Universal model is great for what it is, but no one buys the Express Pass at Universal if they've been there before or they know the score. The only people to me that buy... There's two types of buy Express Passes. There's people that go during the summer where it gets extremely busy. That's one set. The other set are people that have never been there before and think, it's going to be really busy here, I'm going to buy express passes, and then find out every ride's going to walk on. Yeah, yeah that was us. That's what happens. That was us. When me and Craig, for... me and Craig yeah. went last year for the weekend, mm-hmm. apparently I mentioned that quite a lot, um, we had done everything in two, not even two full days. Yeah. We did Universal the... on one day. We did Islands Adventure yeah. by lunchtime of the second day. Yeah. No express passes. Yeah. Early park admission. But we missed out after rides. What? What did we miss out on? Rip by um, Rocket was the only thing we didn't go on. No, it's not. It we didn't go on the oh. Zeus Trolley train ride. Right. We didn't go on One Fish, Two Fish. We didn't go on Zeus's Carousel. Okay, so three we didn't go we on... would never have gone on. But we could have done. The option was there. We right. could have went on Stormforce Accelitron. We didn't even go on Doctor Doom. Right. So Craig is right. We didn't do all the rides because, like, frankly, we didn't do the rides that were shit. Um, now, would you, would you not, right? So you go into the Magic Kingdom for the day. You've got three fast passes. You've stayed off property. So you've got three fast passes for three substandard rides. They're not, they're not the top hitters, right? They're all the little ones, right? The ones that you could walk on anyway. But you've got fast passes. So you've got fast pass for Little Mermaid. You can walk on it. You've got fast pass for Haunted Mansion. Generally, you can walk on it. You've got fast pass for Dumbo. You can normally walk on that now. 
right? But that's it then. Then you've got to start fighting with everybody else for your fourth fast pass, your fifth fast pass. If you're lucky, your sixth fast pass. Imagine if you walk into the Magic Kingdom and for $70, you can ride every ride in that theme park for that day. No, because you're mental, Craig. Because once again, you are. Because once again, you pull this ridiculous figure out of thin air. I've just made that figure up. No, no, no. no. I know. There is a figure. But you were the person. You would have put, no, I wouldn't. You were the person who the other week said that you thought the Toy Story breakfast was good value for money at $90 a head. Well, it's only about $70 a head, but yeah. Whatever. I think it was 70 plus tax or whatever it was, right? So, you know, and that's for an hour and a half's extra access. So, where you could ride, where you, where you could ride Slinky Dog as ten, until you're throwing up 10 <laughs> times on the bounce. No, you could. You could stay on Slinky Dog. You could get off, walk around again, and get back on. There was no stipulation. Oh, you can only ride Slinky Dog once. You could ride that as many times you got, as you want. You got a fast pass for it once. Each ride, you got a fast pass once. You didn't. You do. There's no fast passes. You don't. You can I'm go on everything I'm in there. I'm pretty sure you passes. said that you got a fast pass for each attraction. The fact that when, you could queue up for the rides it's, afterwards it's is breakfast, not there. In the Toy Story. In the Toy Story breakfast. No. You just walk in and you just go on everything as much as you want. For an hour and a half. Yeah. Which includes having but, actually eating as well. No, that's the thing. You could eat on the way out. Yes, that hour and a half includes yeah. you getting something to eat as well. Well, you, no, you can eat at the end of the hour and a half. at the end, yeah. All oh, right, so what you're saying is that you get chucked out at 10 o'clock and you could then have breakfast at 10 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Right, so you've got an hour and a half. Oh, that's 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 seventy dollars for plus tax for an hour and a half. I'm saying seventy, eighty, ninety dollars to ride every single ride in the Magic Kingdom once. See, I don't think Disney want that though. No, no, because you know why? Why only limit you to one day in the park when they can have you for three or four days in the park? And and every day you're there, you're spending more money on food. Gifts, whatever, you know. That's I why do you say that there's there's definitely options that they could they could include, mm-hmm. like the higher level, the deluxe get offered an extra two or three fast passes that they can pre-book and things like that. There's definitely options to expand yeah. their fast pass project, should we say? And I think they're still learning. Well, that's what they've they have done that, haven't they, with the. Um... It's fifty dollars a day to get an extra two fast passes in the uh, in the suites, isn't it? And you've got to pay for a minimum of three days per person. Yeah. Now, that mm. that that is them experimenting because the mm. rumor was when all this was coming out that if you were in a deluxe hotel, you were going to get more fast passes anyway. And that's the way I'd rather see it. I, I, I don't like these all these bets where you add more, and I'd, I'd rather. Okay, you stay in a value resort, you get three fast passes. You stay in a moderate, you get four. You stay in a deluxe, you get five. Because the prices are are different, and you know it, it might mean that they don't discount deluxes as much, for example, because you're getting that perk. But it's all kind of rolled into the cost. I'd rather that than you stay at a deluxe and then you've got a you've got a buy or you can buy some other package on top of that. Isn't that a isn't there a hotel at Disneyland Paris that's that expensive? You get fast passes with it. Or yeah, have yeah. I just dreamt that? 
No, if you stay at certain rooms at um, Newport Bay and at the Disneyland Hotel, yeah, you do. If you stay at a certain level, you do get fast passes, but it's not unlimited. You get, I think, it's two or three fast passes per day. Yeah. What you know? What I think would be a better way or a fairer way of doing things. And Mr. D, you're going for two weeks, right? You're staying on Disney property. 60 days out. You book your fast passes. Would it not be fairer if you could only pick an attraction once? So you can pick Flight of Passage Mm -hmm. once during that two-week period that you're staying there. Why? You might want to go to Animal Kingdom 15 times. Right. Because that's not to say you can't book it while you're there, but you're 60 days out. Mm. And then what that means is, in your in your vacation, you can go on all the attractions at least once. All the mm. big attractions at least once. Because what you yeah. have at the moment is people, you know, I know people that have been able to get two or three fast passes for flight of passage during their trip. Mm-hmm. And people going at the same time that couldn't get one. Yeah. So yeah, why yeah, is, that, I mean, why is, why is yeah. that a thing? Like, how's it right or fair? You're both given the same amount of of days out to book it, but okay. So was one of them on property and one's off property? No, both on property. Just that when they went to book at their six day window, they couldn't get yeah. a booking. And it does happen. You know, Amanda's mm. had it before when she said, and I think she was staying on property. When no, I don't think she's never she's never stayed. No, on she's never property. stayed on property. Okay. Her, her problem she would was melt. She's... Yeah. My so my friends that live nearby they go to orlando two three times a year they've just gone out now they went out last week so they could do mickey's not so scary they only went for five days this time sometimes they go for weeks sometimes two weeks um but normally a week to two weeks is their is their average stay this was the first time in four trips they've been able to get a fast pass for flight passage and mm-hmm. they always stay on property they never stay off property yeah so what what level of property? What difference does that make? Because I want to know. I'm interested. They normally stay moderate. Port Orleans okay. is is normally where they stay. Not always, but it's rare for them to go down to like uh, a pop or an all star resort. So with my model, the they wouldn't have got the unlimited express passes. Mm. However. They could have bought an express pass each for the day that they wanted and rode every ride in Animal Kingdom once. Yeah, but Craig, you're paying, let, let's say for argument's sake, to stay at Pop Century for uh, two weeks, hotel, park tickets, cost you seven grand. Mm-hmm. Not, we're not talking about cheap holidays here. We're talking expensive holidays. This is, for a lot of people, a once-in-a-lifetime trip. And you're basically saying, yes, you spent seven grand to go on, on your holiday or more, but if you want to go on everything, you've got to spend another $70 a day per person. You, if you want a guarantee. Yeah. But I've just told but, you that people, I know people you can that, go stay and stand on property in the that can't get on those. You can't go on Flight of Passage now. You can't walk onto it because it's oversubscribed for Fast Pass people. 
everybody jumps on. They have a certain number of fast passes a day, and they go within minutes. That ride is therefore written off. So people have to queue three hours to do it. With my model, numbers would be severely reduced because only the deluxe people would have express passes. Everybody else would have the option to buy express passes. They'd still be oversubscribed, though. It's the same same number of people who are trying to get on it. Yeah. Yeah, but not everybody is at Animal Kingdom on the same day. So if there's 10,000 guests over all the deluxes, and it, it, then there might be 500 of them are in the Animal Kingdom on that day. Sounds so like my Thatcher's wet dream, to be honest. Sounds like an my... absolute... Like, it sounds like the Tories have just taken over Disney. No, it doesn't. Not it at is. all. He's his latest. So, therefore, the universal model is elitist. Yeah, but the, the fact is that you don't need to... You can go to Universal and go on all the attractions without the need of having it. That's a good perk to have, but you can still go on everything if you're there for a couple of days. And you could do... You can do that at Disney. You don't have to... You don't have to book an Express Pass every day of your holiday. I, I personally would just go and queue up, but towards the end of the holiday, where I wanted to make sure I'd had them experiences, I would pay for a couple of days in the Magic Kingdom, or I'd pay for a day in each of the park, and I'd go and do it. Right, so let's just let's just pull this back a, a little bit. So you're saying that you would wait three and a half hours in the Florida heat just so you could get on flight passage. That's what you're saying. I wouldn't have to because there's, there'd be less express passes put out than the fast passes that are now. So I'd probably have to wait an hour and a half, but it wouldn't be three hours. So I think they should put on a night shift. I think twice a week they should run the park 24, 24 hours a day. Yeah. And that and that is another option as well, mm-hmm. definitely, especially on that type of ride, because it's all indoors and everything like that. Don't yeah, be surprised be... if it isn't for Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. It I think that's the be... way it's going. Yeah, it doesn't have to be every park, but where you've got like a super popular headliner attraction or something like Star Wars, yeah. Until until people eventually, you know, the novelty wears off, then yeah, run run a couple of night shifts. And even more so with Star Wars once the, the hotel opens, I think, as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the stuff we've talked about tonight, you will not believe the stunts they are going to pull to get money out of people to go and look at Star Wars. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not that interested in Star Wars. I like it. I made up our graces into it. I'm not going to be climbing over people to get into Star Wars. And we're relieved. We're going next August, and we're relieved it's not open. Well, we we took a similar approach. We're, we were gutted originally that we were going to miss it, and then we sort of come to terms with it and thought, well, actually, it could be good because it might not be as busy, and then we'll probably wait a couple of years until the who has died down and then we'll go. And that, that's our thinking as well. But yeah. you just you wait till you see the breakfast packages, the, the nighttime packages that they're going to be rolling out. Everything they're doing now with the toy stories and the avatars and everything like that is all mm-hmm. beta testing for Star Wars. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, you're right. And if you it, with the pricing. if people are prepared to pay seventy dollars to go and sit on a slinky dog, how much are they going to pay to sit on Darth Vader's lightsaber? <laughs> I'm not even at the statement <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, Mr. D. Yeah. Another one for you. Yeah, another one for me. So um, this one. Uh, um... By the way, notice I haven't gone. No, I know. It's just nice was... that. There's, there's... Do you want to go? No, no, no. Carry on. Okay. All right. So this one is is about the cast members, and again, so the theme here is how do you improve or enhance the guest experience. So the cast members, I think, are fantastic in Disney World, but there is there is definitely some things going on. I mean, you know, the the, the whole wage minimum wage thing. You know, how do you expect to get the best out of the cast members if if you aren't paying them a fair fair day's money? And let's let's be honest, you know, Disney are making profit. Um, so invest in the cast members, and that's all the cast members. So it's it's mouse keeping and you know the guys that drive the buses and all of that because because they're part of the experience. They're a big part of the experience. So training and wages. And just keeping that Disney magic going. So, I mean, we've always stayed on on site, and you know, go back a few years, and and most keeping were fantastic. You know, so the, the the ladies that make up your room, or the people that make up your room, you know, they'd make these little towel animals and things yeah. like that. Or yeah. if the kids have got loads of little toys, you know, they would arrange the toys and done funny little things and stuff like that. They they don't do that now, right? They don't do that so much now. They may if you uh, they may if you if you tip them the next day you may get a couple of towel animals but it's definitely changed so so there's there's my piece it's uh, it's invest in the cast members I, I I mean I think you're spot on my problem with it is that Disney will always use profits as being an excuse as to not to. Oh well, if we pay them more money, then we won't have as much money to invest in the parks because profits will be down. So that—that's my only issue with it. Is not that you're wrong; you're absolutely spot on. But there'll always be a reason as to why they can't do it. Sure. When yeah. you've got situations where people who work at Disneyland are living in cars, mm-hmm. that is not acceptable. And not Cars Land either. We're talking their own yeah. vehicles. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's disgusting. But then is it any different to what we have over here at the moment, which is food banks? I mean, mean, when did food banks become a thing? I never heard of a food bank when I was a kid. But now we have people that work full time that have to go cup in hand to get goods given to them that people have donated because they can't even afford a weekly shop. This is a global problem. It's not just a Disney problem. The, the, the reason why it's shocking at Disney is because that company makes huge profits every year. Whether that's through the films, whether it's through the theme parks, whatever. Make massive profits. And they've got staff that do that. But- Nick, you've got, you've got people who work in Apple. You know people who work in Apple. Right? How, do, how do Apple treat their employees wages-wise? Are they on minimal wage or are they... They're paid, I don't, they're paid better than uh, than standard retail, not by not by loads, but they're you know they're paid a bit more than your average retail staff. And then and, and 
Sorry, sorry. I was just going to. They do get perks for their Apple product. You can buy Apple products discounted. Yeah, but I mean, to me, that's just the way. I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably why a lot of people do it. But that's a good way of the company getting you to to actually help. Yeah, of course company. it is. You know, it's in a way um, almost a false economy. Uh, not. Or so you Apple, can just but... you can just speak to Craig's Craig's guy. He'll get you some Apple cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but I bought. I mean, and Disney do do that with their cast members. They can get family members in for free and or yeah. discounted and stuff like that. But they, they should be paid better than what they because they're on something like fifteen dollars an hour now, and that's not now. That's in about two years once this this new pay deal goes through. And I think I think the point is if you go if you go back in, and actually you don't even need to go back even still today, you know the cast members at Walt Disney World are are a big part of the experience and they're a real asset. And and if you talk to people who go to Thorpe Park or go to Alton Towers and then they go to Disney, they can't believe it. It's like night and day. So so they are a part of they are a part of what's different and better about about Disney. But you've got to be careful that you you keep investing in that. Otherwise it, you you get to the point where you know, and and we noticed the difference in the Universal cast members. Gone back a couple of years ago, was not impressed by the Universal cast members at all. But Universal have definitely invested in their cast members. They're they are much oh, yeah. better than they used to be. Well, it's like Universal's going up, and Disney potentially are coming down if they're not careful. So that's the point, really. It's a big part of the guest experience, and uh, it's not just about Galaxy's Edge and headliner attractions. Well, look at how many you know if you went on internet forums or facebook groups a few years ago about disney parts in general or especially orlando uh, groups you would have all the brits going to disneyland paris you know oh mm. because i loved going to disney world i went to disneyland paris and oh my god the staff were awful they taught you horribly there's no smiles there's no this there's that and the other and that was a genuine thing now, mm. yeah, I've got, I mean, I've been to Disneyland Paris way more than I've been to Orlando, and I've n- had normally really good cast interactions and experiences, but mm. I, I did notice that, you know, not everyone was like that. Now, fast forward to now, and if you go on those same groups, people complain that the Orlando staff aren't smiling and happy and what they were a few years ago. So it's being noticed. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that. And again, like I would say Disneyland Paris, well, you are talking about a small minority. But like Walt Disney World was one of those places, no matter who you spoke to, you knew you was going to get a smiley face, you knew you was going to get a good interaction, you knew somebody would probably bend over backwards for you. Don't have that now. You, you, that well, is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And we so used, they we, need to be careful about it. We still had magic last year. Mm-hmm. The, the Rose and Crown in particular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, so thanks for that. Yeah. I'll, I'll pass that on to Heather. But no, I, 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 I agree. I think the cast members are still fantastic, right? Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of them that do it because they love to do it. They don't do it because of the money. But, but, but that, you know, you have still got to invest in them. You can't, you can't abuse that forever. And so, it might, it might not be higher wages, but it might be, uh, better healthcare or right. you know all that type of stuff Be- even education yeah. 
yeah. giving them more opportunities to learn and, mm-hmm. and better themselves that way. And therefore they can climb up the management pole if that's what they, the way they want to go. Anything like just mm-hmm. definitely better yeah. pensions, better, better everything. But mm-hmm. it, it does, it doesn't have to be just the baseline wage. Yeah. It, it could be so much more. Yeah. Okay. So that was my, that was my thing. Speed up, it's over to you. Nick. No, no, no. Speed up, it's over to you. Uh, mine's, I don't know whether it would improve the experience, but uh, what I was thinking was maybe expand on the tours that they do, the backstage hmm. tours. Um, I think they're fairly limited at the moment. I don't think they go probably further than they could do. Um, I know everybody loves the, the Keys to the Kingdom tour, but I think it's it's very much they've been stuck in that same same thing. I think I don't think they've changed them up much. I know they've added a few at Animal Kingdom over the last couple of years when you get to go and see the animals and talk to the keepers and things. But I think there's there's room that they could they could further these by giving you a better look at the backstage rather than just oh we're going to go through the utilidors. You might see a couple of people in costume. There you go, you've done it. I'd, I'd love to be taken backstage to look at the at the, the costume department um, and, and things like that, and just to see what they're doing behind that we don't see. Certainly for people like us, but then there's I think there's other ones no, that it's... they could do for for other other people that possibly don't know so much about what goes on and, and things like that, and just a, a more general tour where it's not so much history. It's it's kind of oh this is this is what we do and and things like that. Cause I think it is very much geared towards people like us as it is. But I think there's room as well for improvement on that, for us to learn, learn more about what they do rather than kind of keeping it a secret. Would it be good if they did something like a behind the scenes of Fantasmic? Yeah, or exactly. Behind the scenes of certain rides. So, you know, actually being able to go and see how, um, you know, they, make it a small world work or something. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I, I, I think that's a great idea. Um, here's, here's how we fertilize a giraffe. Yeah. Yeah. Like living on the land and stuff as well. But I, I think, I think that would be interesting. I, I think, yeah, understanding a bit more would be good. Um, I think learning more about the future would be good. I know they normally oh. have like a bit of blue sky thinking in um, one man's dream. But, Aren't all these tours uh, extra paid events though? So isn't that elitism? No. Okay. You're getting something extra for the payment. Yeah, but not something yeah. that you, everyone else is getting for free. That's giving mm. you an advantage. For, paying for fast passes is not the same as going on a paid for tour. Mm. No, it's clearly not, is it? Mm. Anything that you pay for is an extra. So, but carry on. I think it's a brilliant idea, yeah. Because I've never done a tour, and I'd love to. Mm. I, I tried to book keys to the kingdom last time when I went out, and it was it was sold out. Couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. And it shows how popular I are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great uh, idea. And it doesn't need to be sold out because all they have to do is take on another couple of cast members. Take on us. We mm-hmm. can and, do it. Yeah, um, we can do it. <laughs> Mine would be ropey at best. We know this, you, is um, the, this is the toilet I had a boss shit in. 
What would that be called? Keys, keys to the kludgy. There you go. Um, I mean, yeah, we keys do know, to the grabber. we do know somebody who does do those sorts, actually. Um, yes. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think maybe have some more people do them or just offer different versions. Disneyland Paris have two tours yeah. as well, don't they? Yeah. But I think I believe they're both French. Yes. They, they occasionally, very occasionally do an English speaking one, but it's yeah. once or twice a year. It's not very often. Yeah. But, um, is, is he a little French Lou Mongello? Uh, Louis. Ah. Uh, Louis Mongello. Lula Trek. So, I've been sat here. I've been saying it quietly. Of course, that's absolute nonsense. Um, but I haven't had a turn. Uh, and I thought oh. I'll, I'll let everyone have a couple. And then before we wrap up, I'll, I'll go for mine. Cause... There you go, go on, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Mine, uh, mine... Why, use, why use 10 words when 200 will do? Go ahead, carry on. That's me as well. I love Twitter. Um, so I think what would improve the guest experience... I mean, it affects Disney, but it affects... Orlando in general, tipping. Huh? I can't so bloody stand tipping. I should have played my music. I think yeah, the, the current the system... Member, they're, they're all on minimum wage. Well, hang need on, the, hang on. Do you re- the money? Remember when you started talking about your thing and everyone sat there listening to you explain why and didn't go interrupt? Ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I put them on mute, actually, but never mind. So, yeah, Craig is right. I understand why they have a tipping culture in America in general. Although if you look into the history of tipping culture, it's particularly racist. But I get why they have it. But it doesn't make it right. And it doesn't make it fair. And it makes something that's already expensive ridiculous. Like if you look at how much you're expected to tip on your food bill, it is a lot of money. You know, if you have a $100 meal whether you're on the dining plan or whether you're paying for it in, in cash on your own card or whatever, you're then expected to pay almost, what, another $20, $30 on top? No, well, ours was 18%. Yeah, it's 18%. Right, so it's a standard $18. Yeah. Now, you do that three times a day. That's two three sit-down meals. That's two sit-down meals. Well, it doesn't matter. But the, the point I'm making is that you are expected to tip for almost everything. There's a only for, only for table service. You don't, don't need to only tip. Only for table no, service. Yeah. I'm, talk, I'm just talking, I'm also talking in general, right? So you are expected to tip for room service, arguably. People do, but that's a bit of a grey area. But certainly restaurants, if you take, uh, you know, buses that aren't decent transportation, normally have a tip jar, tipping's everywhere. And I get that it's to bump up the poor, poor wages because what they do instead is they say, right, we're going to pay you $2 an hour because you're going to make tips. So I, I understand that they do it and why they do it. That doesn't mean they should be doing it. And it goes back to what you were saying, Paul, about the fact that they should look after their staff and, and pay their staff better. Because if they did pay their staff a decent wage, we wouldn't have to have this whole tipping culture. Yeah, but Chris Ripley on the, the podcast that hasn't been broadcast yet or has, but might not have, 
he said quite clearly on that show that some of them in California Grill are making a thousand dollars a night for an eight hour shift. Yeah. Yeah, they can they can make big bucks so in in the popular signature restaurants. Now I, I do, some hotel, some restaurants, um, everyone puts all the tips in and all the staff get a share. So that the chefs and the waiters who, you know, the people who take them to the tables and stuff, everyone gets a share. Some restaurants, they keep the tips for themselves. So I don't know how it works. But how do you make that cast member who's getting a thousand dollars a night, but only earning thirty dollars for that night? How do you make it fairer for him? He's earning seven thousand dollars a week. Well, then that's ludicrous, isn't it? But that's what he's earning. But that's if, not, he earns, but if you work in if, hospitality, you don't uh, like you know that doesn't make it right, does it? I, I, I get, get what exactly you mean. Like people like that will be completely worse off, but somebody working in Denny's will be better off if they're paid a decent wage. Because you're not going to tip much in Denny's. Yeah, Denny's isn't it Walt Disney World? No, but I'm just I just use that as an example. Right? I couldn't think of a cheaper sit-down restaurant in, in Disney World. But regardless, the fact is is that, yeah, the person working California Grill that can make that much on tips is probably laughing on the way to the bank. But that's not equal to wait staff, is it? Because somebody working at mm. uh, I don't know, Sci-Fi Diner is not going to be earning the same tips as somebody working the California Grill, doing the same job, mm. expecting to get to the same level, so they're not the, the same tips, are they? Off no. the top, off the top of my head, um, when we were in there, we tipped there thirty dollars yeah. for, for eight for eight of us. We were on the okay. diner plan. Okay. She got a thirty dollar tip. We were in there for about an hour. She probably had about five or six tables on the go at once. So if she's pulling in, so my point is, or maybe she's not getting a thousand dollars for her eight-hour shift, but she's certainly getting six hundred, seven hundred dollars. I don't think there's any bad places in Walt Disney World for tips. I I don't know that they're getting as much as that, Craig. Just again, just because of Heather's experience. So I know I know what she was making in tips in the Rose and Crown, which is a pretty popular restaurant in Epcot. But but it is all about the tips, right? It, you know that that is the big part of the job, really. Um, so if you aren't giving them the tips as a guest, then it would need to be included in the price of the food. And it, and it, it did used to be included in the dining plan. When you paid for the dining plan originally, the original dining plan, regular dining plan, was included eighteen percent tips, and it included like a starter, or a main course, or a dessert. Whereas now it only includes bean course dessert and it doesn't include the tips. Yeah. Uh, but it was rolled into the price of it. But see, the thing is, like, tipping, and maybe it's because we're British, but to me, tipping culture in the UK is based on what you do. If I go to a restaurant and I've had shocking service, <coughs> and I had this the other week when I went to, it wasn't shocking service when I went to Bubba Gump's, but it wasn't great service. And with that, they charged, I think, 12.5% or something on my bill. And that was just added to my bill automatically. But most restaurants in the UK don't add on a service charge as automatic. That You know, you can tip if you want to. Now, if you've had bad service, I'm not going to tip you. I shouldn't feel that I, I need to. 
And people in the UK are paid a normal living wage, regardless yeah. if that's high enough or not. That's not what we're here to talk about. But in America, you're paid less than what the minimum wage is because you're expected to make tips. Now, if you go somewhere and you've got, I mean, you said that, that the waitress you had had six tables, right? Which isn't too bad. Some people might have more than that. Oh, she, now, I'm guessing she might yeah. have had 20 tables. I've right. got no idea. But the, the fact is, the more tables you look after, the less uh, the service is going to be. Like, it's not going to be as good as it would be if you had a waitress that looked after two or three tables. Wouldn't it be as attentive? Now, if you didn't tip there, there'd be hell to pay. People, mm-hmm. I've, I've read of people being chased out of a restaurant, you didn't leave me a tip. In Walt or, Disney World? Yeah. Well, anywhere in America, yeah. but particularly in Walt Disney World, yeah. yeah. But you, you, you can reduce the tip, Nick. I mean, if you're, oh, you no, know, you, if you're not happy, you're abs- you could you, leave a, you could leave a 10% tip, you know, you know or a 5% you, tip. And that would Pete, give them, Pete that Wayne, would give them... on, on the Diz Unplugged, Pete Wayne has said in the past, when he's had particularly bad service, the worst thing you can do, or the best thing you can do to let them know, is give them a $1 tip. Yeah. Oh, no, and, and, and you're right, but the thing is, people have done that and still been chased out. Well, why do you only leave me that? Now, the thing is, you shouldn't have to be under that pressure. If I go to the res- a restaurant in the UK and I leave a pound tip because I've had a pooling service of wanting to do that, no one's chasing me out of the restaurant going, why? And the reason for that is because if I've given them a pound, at the end of the day, I, and I was the only person that left anything for them, that person that's worked for that hour has got a decent wage. But in America, you're not given a decent wage because you're expected to do it. So every person that doesn't leave a decent tip is a problem for that person. So Mm -hmm. you've gone from the other end of the spectrum of the the person making, you know, four figures a night in tips because they're working the California grill on the food's expensive to the other end where they're probably getting, you know, three or four dollars per table because they're in a lower restaurant doing the same job to whatever standard. But it's that pressure that you have to tip. If you don't tip, it's a, it, as I said, there's hell to pay. It shouldn't be left like that. You should be given the option to give... Tipping should be done for exceptional service. Tipping is done in America because somebody has served you. And that's the difference. But- yeah, but you could look at it from the point of view of, you know, typically food in America is cheaper than it is in Britain. And that's, and that's kind of part of it, you know, that you're, that the norm, right? The norm for decent service, I'm not going to call it exceptional service, decent service in a decent restaurant, a decent meal, you know, built into the cost of that for your typical American is probably somewhere between a 15 to 20% tip. That's, that's just, how the kind of economics are structured, you know, whereas it isn't, it isn't here. It isn't for us. I don't think food in America is cheap. It's not, I'm not saying it's cheap. I think it's typically a bit cheaper than it is in Britain. It's usually sort of pounds, pounds for dollars. It is outside the theme parks. Yeah. Yeah. The theme parks are, are, are expensive, but if you would pay, you know, 15 quid for something in the UK, that same thing typically depends on the restaurant, but typically is maybe $15. Yeah. Which means it's right now it's thirty percent cheaper because of the exchange rate. Um, and I haven't got a problem with um, 
leaving a bad tip. And if I'm getting chased out of a restaurant, why? I'll tell them. Mm-hmm. And I'll get on with my day. Yeah. I don't, I don't I, have a problem with that. And, and I think some people would, some people wouldn't. But as I said, to me, it's that pressure and expectation that you should be doing it. A lot of people, if they're, if, if they're going to Orlando for the first time, or going to America for the first time, and they're aware of this tipping culture, they will yeah. give a tip regardless of the service because they understand that's the cultural thing to do. And that, yeah. that shouldn't be encouraged, and it shouldn't be allowed. I'd well, much I, prefer I would... it if they were given a decent salary to start off with yeah. and getting tips is earned because of good service. That's what it, that's what it should be. You yeah, shouldn't I... have to tip for subpar service. And, and you don't. You don't have to tip for subpar service, right? You don't. But you've got to be, you know, you've got to be bold enough to say, I'm not leaving you a tip because I, did, I wasn't happy with the service. That's the best way to do it. Or, or say, I'm giving you a reduced tip because I wasn't happy with the service. They may not like it, but, you know, that's better than and what typically happens with the Brits. And I know this again from others' experience and not, not every Brit. There's plenty who, who leave the decent tip. But there's a lot of Brits who just sneak out as well. And they've had good service. They haven't got a problem with the service. They just don't want to tip because that isn't our culture. But I would have a problem with it if it was only Disney World that was asking for an 18% tip or a 20% tip. I don't have a problem with it because I'm, I'm going to a country where that is the norm for that country. Every restaurant, every state right across the country. That, that's, that's the norm. So it's like it's like going to Japan and you know taking your shoes off before you go in in the house. You know what I mean? That's that's the norm for that country. So it would piss me off if it was only Disney that was charging that, but it's not. And I and I I do get that side of the argument as well. I just think it's something that America in general should just handle better. There's no need for it. So you're not better than Walt Disney World experience. You're better than the whole of America. Nice one, Nick. No, but there's a lot of Brits. There's a lot of Brits that really don't like it. I get, I get what Nick's saying. That they're, they're uncomfortable with it. They don't see the value in it because we don't have to pay for it here. I, I get it, but I, I guess I'm what, I'm what I'm trying to say is, if you look at it from the point of view of that's just the norm, for country, you know. Yeah, but that, again, that that doesn't make it right. I mean, I'm not the best example for this because I'm the person that when I get. Uh, an Indian or Chinese delivered, I tip the ta- uh, like the the person's delivered the food. <sighs> there you go. Yeah, but that's that's my choice, and I yeah, do I that because they're... they're providing a a service, mm-hmm. right? I don't think anyone. If, I've never met anybody that tips in Nando's, for example. And if I ever find out anyone that does, I'll probably disown them. No, I don't. You know, but you know, but you can you can if you want to. Yeah, of course you can if you want to, but then there's no expectation, and that's the difference. We're not talking about whether well, chicken Nando's, should or should be allowed. Is Nando's a fast food restaurant, or is it a sit-down restaurant? Sit-down. Is it? What's well, the in Nando's? It's kind, of, it's kind of strange, isn't it, Nando's? It's kind of, it is a sit-down so, restaurant, but it's, it's to kind me, of semi-self-service. Yeah. It's a McDonald's. I mean, you have to get your you have to get your plate and cutlery, but they also bring your food over, so technically you're being waited on. But yeah. is it to me? It it should be done because someone's gone above and beyond, and you shouldn't need to do it because people are being paid a decent wage. What's happening instead is you don't pay them a tip, 
they're the one they're the only ones that suffer and that's not fair because and the thing is um, what paul said is is spot on because the thing is you could give somebody exceptional service and not get a tip because of culture the opposite culture so why is it so that's not fair mm-hmm. so yeah i, I think it's something and... that should be looked at it, yeah. just in general yeah, I think tipping in this country is becoming more common, isn't it? Because they've started slipping it in there in a lot of restaurants. If you've got a party even above six, which is ridiculous, really. I mean, I, I get it when I get it when it's like twelve. I mean, if you're a if you've got a table of twelve, that's usually quite stressful and quite you know a hassle. But a table of six, that's taking a piss a little bit. Yeah, and that is you know. That is paying pounds for the food, not dollars. You're not paying in dollars. So it is becoming more prevalent in this country as well. But that's typically the case. Whatever America does, we do it 10 years later. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I just think, yeah, I, I don't agree with it being almost expected. That's the yeah. thing. And, if, you know, I think the problem is, and maybe not so much on Disney property, maybe like elsewhere, because... You know, most people that go over to America know that tipping is part of the culture. When you're served by somebody in America and they know you're English, you might not get the same level of service because they know they get a tip whatever happens. Yeah. Or they expect a tip because they hope you understand what that culture is. Um, and that and that's where I don't think it's right. Pay them properly and anything they get is a bonus. It's like me doing my job. In my, in my real life job I get mm. paid to do a job when I do better than my job I get paid a bonus so mm-hmm. if I do my job really well I get a bonus if I just do what I need to do for my job I don't mm-hmm. that gives you the incentive to do it yeah. that phrase is always work for your tips but if you don't need to work for your tips because you're going to get it anyway then what's the point and maybe that is why on the old dining plan, you know, they had tips included because yeah. the thing is, if you know you're getting a, you know, you're 18%, you're going to go above and beyond. You're going to well, get there was, yeah, there was always the argument though, that it might work the other way. You know, that if, if, if they know that you're on the dining plan, then they know that they're getting 18%. So kind of worse the incentive, but I've never found that as a problem. I mean, vast majority We've been on the dining plan a lot now. I don't know how many times, but the vast majority of wait staff are, are pretty good. They still treat you the same as they would treat anybody else. We've had the odd one or two. In fact, the last time we went, we had a pretty bad experience in Sanaa. And it was literally, you know, get your ass out of here as fast as you can so that I can get somebody else into this table and make another 18%. It was shit. And uh, I did have a word with them, but I tipped him. I gave him his 18%, but I, I also spoke to him. But Kerry, for two pins, would have given him nothing. But that was that was a rare occurrence. Yeah. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, I think generally, you know, Disney is somewhere where service is normally pretty good. You know, obviously we heard from Chris the other day where, you know, the experience itself and the service weren't particularly good. Uh, but generally service there is to a certain standard. Yeah. So, but, but it's not always the case and that's where it needs to really kind of be a bit considered really, I think. 
Mm-hmm. I have more problems actually working out what I'm meant to be tipping than than anything. <laughs> Coming from the accountant, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> I normally I, I, I can always work out ten percent or something. So I double that and then take a little bit off, and that's generally about there or thereabouts. Just get your shoes and socks off, Hickory. I haven't got any on. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's probably a big enough bombshell to lead this episode on. So <laughs> I think it's I think it's been good us trying to put th- the world to rights. Do you want to see me blood blister? No, thanks. It's not a euphemism either. Um, but no, I think it's I think it's been good putting the world to rights. At the Disney World to rights, that is. Um, and it'd be interesting to hear what you've got to say. So, um, you know, post in the Facebook group uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, at us on Twitter. And, send, uh, send your severed heads to uh, Nick Branch's house if you're <laughs> in the service industry. Only, only the American service industry, because the British service industry is not going to be affected by this. Um, if you want to, uh, you know, email us with your suggestions, then please do that at thisafterdarkatgmail.com. Uh, um, but yeah, I think these kind of episodes, I think it's good for debate, and I think it'll be interesting to see what other people will see as an issue um, and what they'd like to see if they were able to make a change as well. Yep. Next time I go into Nando's, I'm going to give the guy a tip. <laughs> just, just spite me. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, listen, it is after dark. <laughs> Don't need the lights on for you. Go out. Give a badge. Give a badge. Um, so yes, thank you for joining me. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading the episode. Um, if you don't already, please like and subscribe. Um, always important to do so. And we'll see you for another disaster dark very soon. I'm Paul, and I've been your server tonight. Have a wonderful day. Do you want to see me tip? Oh, God. <laughs> Whoopee! <laughs> Hello there, dear listener. Now, have you ever listened to a podcast and thought, oh, I'd really like to support those guys, but I just don't know how to do it? <laughs> well, then you're in luck. There are now two ways for you to be able to support us. The first is by going to our spreadsheet page, at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash After Dark Network. Here you can pick up t-shirts for all of the podcasts that we do. The other way is by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash disafterdark. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash disafterdark. Any money raised by buying some merchandise or pledging your support on Patreon means that we can keep producing more content for the After Dark Network. On behalf of the other After Dark Podcast Network hosts, We thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your continued support. Podcast.